Gen X podcast, dropping gems for the culture with the pop appeal. Feel to it. A Gen X podcast, dropping gems for the culture with the faith appeal. Feel. Great day, great people. Welcome to this week's episode of Gen X Has Something to Say. I really appreciate you guys taking the time to download and listen to this podcast. Uh, Have you guys ever felt some type of way when black leaders or other black people in high profile positions have to apologize for personal opinions about people that are in our community that mainstream society has cast away uh, over some comments that may have been made or misinterpreted 10, 15, 20 years ago. I know I can't be the only one that has taken issue with that or feel some type of way about it. And a perfect example of this situation for me, and it's been so many, but this is like one that kind of stuck out to me simply because the person that had to do it was a person that is Generation X. So, excuse me, Damon John, creator of FUBU, He is watching the DMX funeral and Minister Louis Farrakhan is the eulogist. So after Farrakhan delivers his speech, somewhere along the line, Damon John tweets, what a powerful speech from Minister Louis Farrakhan, I'm quoting, for the DMX funeral. His deep understanding of the Bible and respect for other people's religion was truly inspiring. Rest in peace, DMX. This is the entire tweet. Out of nowhere, seemingly, people are up in arms. The Jewish community is upset. White people are upset. Anybody that does not like uh, the nation of Islam had something to say simply because at some point, some years back, Something that the minister said was misconstrued as being anti-Semitic or or hate rhetoric. And ever since then, no matter when uh, Farrakhan speaks, any critics of his are always coming, bringing that to the light where he's anti-Semitic or he's anti-white people, this, that, and the third. Well, Damon John caught the brunt of this. So much so that he had to, one, delete the tweet and then apologize for saying that Minister Farrakhan, that he agreed with that and he didn't want to offend anyone. Uh, He didn't mean to offend the Jewish community. And I was baffled because what in his comments uh, and Damon's comments, did he say anything about? anything against Jewish people. Furthermore, what did Minister Louis Farrakhan say in this moment that was against the Jewish community, but yet Damon had to apologize? And I wanted to be sure, even though I felt like I was sure, but I wanted to be real sure. So I went and found the clip of Minister Farrakhan's eulogy. And when I tell you people that, I mean, it couldn't have been nowhere near anybody. He laid a perfect eulogy. If 
The goal is to speak well of the person that has died. That is exactly what Minister Louis Farrakhan did. He spoke well of DMX and DMX only. The only other people that were mentioned with DMX was his wife, his fiance, his kids, and those that loved him. That's it. But yet, we are in this position where, where Damon mostly, uh, he was in this position where he had to not accept what he said. He had to delete it on top of having to give all these explanations and reasons. My stepfather was Jewish. He just throwing all types of stuff out here as the reason um, of why he was apologetic, of why he deleted the tweet, why he didn't want to offend anyone. And it's really, he said what he said. I, I don't get why he had to do all these changes or make these changes for people. And why do we have to keep doing that? I got a letter from the government the other day. I opened and read it and said they were suckers. They wanted me for their army or whatever. Picture me giving a damn. I said never. Here's a land that never gave a damn about a brother like me and myself because they never did. I wasn't with it, but just that very minute it occurred to me. The suckers had authority. Just to say, like, why do we have to do that? Why we African-American people, um, not just my generation, but African-American people, when we have to be in situations where um, if anybody in our community is uh, very strong in their opinions, they are, uh, for lack of a better term in this space, uh, controversial. So uh, you keeping uh, the minister as the as the, the example, he... Why is statements that he makes 10, 15 years ago and he speaks somewhere and what he speaks makes a lot of sense and I agree with, why do I have to, if I say I agree with it, why will I then have to come back and say, I don't agree with that or um, I agree with what he said. I apologize if I offended anyone uh, to that that felt that type of way. And I, I, I don't understand it. Like we have what has driven us to be in this council culture where especially for us as African-Americans that we have to disown our own people uh, if the society doesn't like them. Uh, people we've had to disown people that have meant so much to us just for the sake of. Of getting to a particular place or, or especially you see this in elections or, you know, prime example for us is when um, uh, Barack Obama was then a candidate for running for the president of the United States. Uh, campaign is going well, uh, gaining momentum, winning, winning states and and things that he wasn't supposed to win as he went for the Democratic nomination. Uh, they brought up something about his past and that Reverend Dr. Jeremiah Wright, he married the Obamas. He <clears throat> he was a spiritual advisor. He baptized his kids. Needless to say, he was somebody that uh, was very near and dear to the Obama family. Uh, 
sermon surface where he was talking about, I don't know what event it followed, but it was something that happened to the United States. And the popular term of chickens coming home to roost uh, was used in the example that Reverend uh, Reverend Dr. Wright used. And in essence, he said, God damn America. Um, and people without hearing any context just took what he said about that and ran with it. So they ran with it up until the point where you know, his numbers start to fall and he had to make the decision. Uh, was he going to uh, disown or disavow his relationship with Reverend Dr. Jeremiah Wright in order to um, move forward in his in his goal to be the president of the United States? And that is unfortunate because we are the only people that have to do that. Um, there are several situations that we could we could glean on to say, hey, uh, there have been KKK members, Proud Boy members, whatever you call them, and we watched in a in a debate where the then president would not disavow them, and nobody cared. Uh, but yet, our community has to find a way to disavow people that have meant the most to us. Even if we disagree, we can't, it ain't enough for us to say, I disagree with what he said in that sermon, but everything else, the good is he done in my life. Um, I'm not going to disown him for that. So it, it gives us this space where we have to choose our loyalty of our community versus my progressing as a person and taking care of my family. And we're just, it, I don't, where does that come from? Where does that come from where we've had to bite our tongue and disavow people that um, mainstream society does not agree with? Does it come from uh, when we were slaves and the house Negro had to disavow the the field Negroes so that he could survive and keep the places he in? Or was he working as some type of spy? Because in those days, if you agree with them, the easiest way to deal with you is to, to kill you and make an example of you. You know, read the 1619 Project and many other uh, historical stories out here where, you know, the type of mutilations that happened to us simply because we uh, stood up for ourselves. We said something about the way we were being treated. It wasn't right. Um, so we've had to tailor our voice. We've had to find a way to talk with tact so that uh White people weren't offended or anybody that was in power wasn't offended. Um, we see some example of that in the church where um, you can't talk back to the pastor or you can't have an opinion at the church or somebody's going to have a fit. And maybe that's because, I, I don't know, when you're at a lower level and that's across the board, you can talk about corporate America, you can talk about uh, sports. Uh, any of the any type of endeavor of life there, you know, we like to say it, there are levels to this. So, you know, when you're in that lower level, you can say whatever you want to say, because typically the people that that can make the decision are not around you. Um, you move up and I'll use corporate America, for example, like when you in the call center, you're never going to run up against an SVP or an executive vice president. Um 
when you're down there talking about ain't nobody doing nothing, all they're doing is getting raises, but you move up to like a second level support. I was an IT guy, so you you move up to second level support or you're a subject matter expert and you are responsible for a platform across the country. Um, you're going to sit in a meeting with an SVP and you can't rattle off and say, you know, well, if y'all were doing what y'all supposed to do um, or you would have gave funding where we need to fund in this, this particular instance, we wouldn't be in this situation where a platform is down in the west side. You can't say it that way because somebody will be escorting you out within 48 hours of you making that statement. And, and it's weird. Like, you know, there's the game to be played when you reach a different level and for us as Generation X, we learn how to play that game to a fault uh, because we got to certain places where, you know, I kind of like my lifestyle of living at a particular time. Uh, so you don't want to give that that up because I want to express an opinion. We find a way to, to kind of suck it in and, and figure out a way around it and work because we're in this survival mode. I guess that might be where it comes from. Um, that's why we appreciate the Generation X and the Millennials because they now are saying how they feel. Get up, stand up. Stand up for your right. Get up, stand up. Don't give up the fight. And, you know, for us as Generation X, it was go to school and get that good job and, and make money doing that. It wasn't necessarily the drive of having your own business and uh, using your talent and, and giving back to the community in that way. We were taught to give back in the community through corporate structure. So we were uh, we go read a book to elementary schools or we join mentorships and things of that nature to where. Uh, we gave back that way, not necessarily building our infrastructure for our community. Uh, we are uh, we were taught that we go to school and we get jobs and we make money for those corporations, even though they give us a small snippet of what they actually make. Um, so with the entrepreneurship, what that does is gives us the ability to say what we say and you can't do too much about it. Only until we reach a certain level to where our sponsors and those that are really investing in us are people not of our generation. So Damon John is my example of that because he started FUBU in his apartment. He ground up. He hustled and bustled to now where he has investors. He has people, even though he is his own boss and he has created such a thing. The only thing I could think of to why he had to curtail what he said about Minister Farrakhan is that there is some money that can be made in other communities that he does not want to lose. You know, he is one of the producers of Shark Tank. So you do have people up there that are Jewish and he has a Jewish stepfather. And even though Farrakhan said nothing about Jewish people in this eulogy, he still has to deal with something that is 15 years away in order to preserve the brand that he has built for himself. And he wants to make his numbers be where they're supposed to be. Well, when do we get to the space where I can say what I say and the cars may lay where they lay? Uh, the millennials and, and, and Gen Z are at that space. Well, if you don't like what I said, so what? I have my own business. I'm going to do what I want. And that's a great place to be. That's a great place to you know, to drop your anchor, you know, and that comes in and having power for yourself, entrepreneurship, you know, and everybody's not an entrepreneur, but what we can do is have multiple streams of income. So you don't have to necessarily be a, uh, a entrepreneur. What you can be is an investor. Uh, you can practice being trades and 
Buying and selling stock, all those things can generate income if you know how to play that game right. Uh, it gives you the space to say what you want to say and it can people can deal with it as they deal with it. Now, it doesn't mean you have to be mean to people. You don't have to be derogatory. Uh, it just means that I get to have my opinion and I don't have to curtail it for anybody else. And the, the sad thing about it is we talk about that uh, pe- differences of opinion is what makes you grow. If everybody thinks like you, then how on earth can you learn something unless the whole group learns it? So, you know, I, I appreciate somebody not think of, thinking the same way I think. You know, you may piss me off and I don't like your viewpoint. Appreciate it. If you wanted to grow, then it, it, it was it was said to me once uh, in class that you want to really get a great opinion on what you believe. Read people that you don't like. Uh, read an opinion that you don't agree with. And that helps you grow. That helps you uh, build what you want to what you want to build. Remember this song. It's a talk of the town. Talk of the country. Hey. Rock Miss Charlie. Rock Miss Munchie. Talk of the country. So bring me along. And out a sound is dying. I know. I know. So we see here. Um, entrepreneurship means a lot to our community. Uh, and most impactful, I guess, if we're, we're moving to the space where uh, not just millennials and Gen Z and all the generations that follow us as Generation X, as we uh, learn from the ways of, that we've been taught and shifting ourselves to be in a space where we can say what we want to say. Uh, entrepreneurship gives us that space to do that. And History has shown us that when we get to the space where we are economically sound and we command the viewpoint and the opinion that we have without any repercussions from people, um, stuff happens. So, and I bring that up because I'm I'm thinking about uh, why we've been in a space where we we don't really say stuff the way we want to say it. Uh, you know, not too long ago was the 100th anniversary of the Tulsa race riot. Um, again, there are so many examples. This is just the one that gets the most attention right now, especially celebrating 100 years. And we had one of the survivors that actually spoke to Congress about recognizing something. And, you know, that's let me side note this. Uh, I don't know who thought it was a great idea to make Juneteenth the federal holiday because I don't recall all the stuff we've been fighting for, we asking that y'all make this a holiday. Uh, I have a whole problem with that. And that's great, but there's a whole lot of steps to be skipped. It, it doesn't make any sense if uh, we don't have critical race theory. We're not teaching the complete story about slavery or anything else as relates to racism and oppression. So here's the thing with uh Damon John's Twitter statement concerning Minister Louis Farrakhan and his eulogy of DMX. What it says to me is that we still have a long way to go before the world accepts the full African American person. And what I mean by that is the one way that we are able, that you are able to fully understand us is to hear us. And if you want to hear us, you have to allow us 
to say it in the way that fully comprises of our thought process, how uh, our experiences have shaped us and what we think of the world and how the world has impacted us. We, for the most part, don't have an opportunity to do that because the world has decided that uh, we are a monolithic thinking people. So as one thinks, all thinks, or if one person said something, they all say or think that way. And that is a detriment for us because we are so diverse. We are so versatile. We are so uh, multifaceted that one person can in no way uh, express all of us. But what happens is we have a few people that get a level of access and they are forced to represent us. And then they get themselves in situations to where they finally express who they are or what they agree with or don't agree with. And then they have to walk back their statements because those that are in power and those that are operating in support of them based off their interest convergence, they are having to backtrack their thoughts. They are having to move in certain ways in order to suppress what they really feel or what they really say in order to not offend people. We are at a, a place where we can no longer do that. Uh, if the change that we're looking for and that we are excited about happening has to come with us saying what we say and how we say it. So if that means you are offended or you are uncomfortable by the way I said it and how I said it, then you can grow by having a dialogue about it and then we can move forward or you can just box up in the shell and think that you can hurt me economically or any other way that you think of that will get me to bend or curtail how I really feel about a situation or a circumstance. But until that moment, until that place where we can be like, well, OK, deal with it. I said what I said. We got to keep pushing and keep finding ways to play this game until the game begins to bend and work the way it needs to work. And the only way that's going to work in our favor, if we continue to express ourselves and say what we said, that's my perspective. I'm Generation X. Ask me something because I have something to say. Peace. Thanks for listening to Gen X Has Something to Say. This is a podcast that celebrates an authentic and unique African-American Generation X experience with a spiritual feel through a Gen X perspective that's real. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and follow us on IG at Gen underscore X podcast. That's Gen underscore X podcast.